Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace and Pingdom. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu. Uh, Oh, I can say your job now, but I'll I'll wait. I'll let you talk about it. And Christina Warren, senior (laughs) cloud advocate for Microsoft. Well, let's start there. Bri, what are you doing? What am I doing? What are you doing? I can announce everything now. So uh, I was sitting in my office uh, pelotoning, like you do, uh, about a month ago, and I get a call, and it's uh, Jenk from The Young Turks, uh, who is someone I'm not really good friends with, but I like him. I like his stuff. I've uh, followed him for years, and he he raised $1.3 million with his uh, congressional campaign. Uh, I raised well over half a million. And he's like, uh, do you want to like merge our list together and start a pack to uh, help progressives win? And I'm like, it, it was such a big commitment that I said, um, let me think about it for a few days because I wasn't really sure that I wanted to go back to politics. But I, I started thinking about where all the mon- where all the power is in politics and also in technology. And it's in people that know how to raise money and get results done for that. So I started thinking about it and I'm like, yes, this is something that I should do. So uh, we've started a progressive uh, super PAC. We have our very first ad today uh, that came out and I'd love it. Uh, so Christina, Simone, both of you saw it. Like, what did you think of it? It is so, it's very you in that sense of like intensity and, and I I think very astute about uh, the situation that we've been in for the last four years. And I think that like your, your fingerprints are all over it. And I love that. (laughs) Same, same. Yeah, it's it's a really hard hitting ad. It's uh, it basically goes through the last four years, and I believe most Americans are traumatized from watching their country disintegrate. And it's kind of putting all of that together in a way that acknowledges that trauma. And uh, I think it's a very powerful ad. Mm-hmm. So. It's a horrible trip down memory lane, which I think yeah. is very effective. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So we're getting involved with the uh, Marky Kennedy race here in Massachusetts. Uh, We are obviously going to be doing more anti-Trump ads. And uh, yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to uh, make a difference this cycle and beyond. So very exciting stuff. I'm so glad that you did this. I remember when you you were first approached with the opportunity and you were mulling it over and it just seemed like such a good fit for you given how well you did in your first race and like how much community support you got. And then also just the, the fact that it really is, you know, we're down to the wire here. There's just a few months till the election. It seemed like, yes, this is, this is as hard as you have been working these past few weeks. It's the right place for you to be. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, but happy to talk about some tech today. And there's a lot of it. (laughs) Let's call the segue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the best tech device of the last uh, 50 years. Okay. Oh, oh, one more thing I want oh, yeah. to say. Uh, uh, the guy that did our logo for Rebellion Pack is uh, the same person behind uh, Daring Fireball. And it's uh, it's uh, Jory Raphael. Mm-hmm. Oh, did, nice. He did the DF logo and he did ours. Uh, and I think it's a pretty damn good logo. It's this fist, but it also looks like a flag. It also looks like a, everybody's equal. It's mm. it's. It's like a little it's a good puzzle. Logo. Yes. Did you say the the your the website yet? 
Oh, yes, it's Rebellion Pack. And if you want to uh, support us, you can go to Help the Rebellion. Awesome. All right. Our first topic today is one that I have a lot of grievances about, and it is <laughs> the announcement of the Microsoft Surface Duo. So Microsoft Ooh. this week announced that they're making a dual screen Android phone, and it's available for pre-order right now, coming out on September 10th for $13.99. That's $1,300.99. And I have a few issues with this. One, Astute listeners will remember that last week when we were talking about Microsoft potentially buying TikTok, I said, it's interesting because as you know, they don't make a phone. So they won't be in the same position that Hmm. say Apple or Google are in with their antitrust (laughs) issues. Ha ha ha. And then secondly, our own Brianna Wu said, this is the sexiest thing that Microsoft has ever done. And this week, (laughs) In talking about the Microsoft Surface Duo, Panos Pane, Windows and Devices chief, said, this is probably one of the sexiest devices we've ever built. I am quoting. I'm not kidding here. He literally said that. So I think Microsoft... Christine, I don't know if you can talk to someone there oh, and yeah. just tell them to, like, l- leave me alone. Like, I, yeah, I've done I'll, nothing I'll, wrong. I will tell them. Yeah. But first, I'm mad at them because I don't have one. Um, so... First, like I'm, I'm mad about that, but yeah, I will tell them to like get out of your brain. Uh, this is an Android device, so that might. I don't know if that helps the antitrust potential at it all. Probably but. does. It's still, it's the principle of the thing, you know. Like I go out on, I go out on our podcast, and I say one thing one week, and the next week, the world has changed entirely. Um. Anyway, so this is a cool phone. It is not like uh, the Galaxy Fold, for example, or other folding phones. It is a hinged dual screen device that they're saying will essentially work like having multiple monitors on a PC. Uh, One of the examples given was that if you click a link in an email that's open in your email app on one screen, the web page will open on the other screen. So you have the email side by side with the web page. there's a lot of details that we still don't have yet. Apparently, well, we don't know what like what the camera will be like. We don't know what the battery life will be like yet. Um, and I believe, according to the Verge piece I read, it doesn't have 5G or uh, NFC. But, you know, eh, big shrug. Um, we, there's just so much we don't know and so much that I think we're excited to know. Yeah, so this was announced at the Surface Laptop event, um, I guess it was like October of of, uh, 2019, which feels like a million years ago, even though it was like nine months ago i don't know and uh and and it it was it was one of two devices that were announced and one was like a a a windows 10 x device and then this is like the android device which as you said is different from some of the other kind of foldable um screen phones and so um yeah i I think it's a really interesting idea and I think it's a really interesting concept. I do know that the team has been working uh, really closely with the Android team at, at Google to try to, you know, like both create certain APIs that can actually become part of like Android proper, but also to, you know, build support so that developers will be able to, you know, have different apps on different screens and have, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to like drag things back and forth and stuff like that. But, One of the things uh, they emphasized was that every app has to work. Every app that you would use on Android has to work on this phone. Right, right. Uh, but I know that the, the, the team, like in terms of like the, the developer documentation and kits and things like that have been doing things to make it more than just like it'll work, but like, 
you know, you could do more enhanced things. Like if you wanted to drag something from one thing to another or have like intents to, you know, open something in a particular um, screen or, or to, you know, pick things up or, or whatever. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know a ton about this more than, than anybody else does, except I've had some calls with the, the developer team to try to, you know, look at maybe how we could create some content, um, you know, aimed at people who want to build apps for this potentially, mm, but, uh, I, I like, I, yeah, like, like, like tutorials or, or like, uh, like how, you know, um, dev samples or code samples or other things like that. So that's kind of the extent of, of anything that I know. I don't know anything else and I don't have one, um, sadly, but yeah. I, I, well, right. I mean, I, I was saying on Twitter, like I'm trying to stop myself from, from pre-ordering it. <laughs> Okay, I I have a huge. This is my favorite story about the launch. So when they announced this, they were talking to The Verge and uh, uh, Neilai over at The Verge, and they said uh, they were like, um, "Hey, so how much is this going to cost when it comes out?" They're like, "Well, we can't tell you, but we can promise you, you're going to be very, very happy. You're going to really? be very happy about it." <laughs> It came out today, and how much does it cost? $1,400? So they asked so, him. They're like, are you very, very happy? And he's like, no. <laughs> so that's my favorite story about this. I mean, no, now, I love that. Two I phones for all, smashed yeah. together. It's the ice yeah. cream sandwich of phones. I do think, I mean, I think there's arguably $1,400 of value here, because that's a lot of engineering and battery and screen, but... You know, that's not a, if you're all in on the iOS ecosystem, that's not a whimsical purchase, right? Right. Yeah, I think a happy, a happy phone price for me is like sub a thousand for sure. And a like ecstatic phone price for me would be like 700, but I don't think that's realistic anymore. No, I'm with you. And honestly, like this is the reason why I have not like pulled the trigger yet because you know, I'm not an Android user and I'm not um, like a, a Windows user. I mean, I use Windows sometimes, but it's not my primary operating system. So some of the value of this stuff is like it would be it would mostly be for like the gadget lust. Right. And um, I, I'm in no way discounting that. I think that there could be a lot of value in this, especially as kind of a, a, a tablet kind of like mini computer sort of device. Like I could actually see this being really useful for, you know, if you are on a bunch of teams or zoom meetings all the time and you want to have that in one window and then have you know document you're working on in mm. another like that that's something that on my ipad i can't really do well right now right um and and it's one of those things you kind of have to like pull out the full laptop for even though you would be just as comfortable and probably have like a, a less uh, cpu intensive um experience if you were doing it on your phone um and i think you know like the the pen support is is good um similar to the galaxy note which was also just announced you know there's going to be this ability where if you have like a, a windows 10 device you know you can kind of have your apps it's, it's similar to what apple is doing with with catalyst where kind of you'll have like window they'll be running off your phone but they'll be displayed on your computer. And so you could, you know, access them in various windows and, and, you know, text from your PC and stuff like that. So there's, there's some, there's some really cool stuff. And and I do think that, and I'd be interested in you two's take on this, but I do think that this approach of how 
the, the foldable screen works makes a lot more sense than the other foldable concepts we've seen, like the yep. Galaxy Fold yes. and like the, the other ones. Like I think that this this is kind of a clamshell design. It I, You don't get the impression that you're going to be worried about this thing, you know, breaking in your pocket or a piece of sand, you know, causing it to not work correctly. Like it, it is what it is. It's like a notebook. You know, you just you open it up. Yeah, it's like Gorilla Glass and <laughs> hinges. It's very workmanly. And like to that point, I think, you know, we're we're saying it's expensive, but I'm also not saying that it's not priced correctly, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's no, essentially I mean, a small iPad. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Too rich for my blood, but it makes like everything about it makes sense price wise. But, but it I is expensive. Pick, sure. I want to pick up on what you were saying, Christina. I think I I think if there's an engineering solution to bring foldable, like, you know, Samsung Fold devices to the masses, we have not seen it yet. Like, the reviews are still showing they're very, very uh, fragile and, and quirky. But I think all of us like that idea of, like, we've clearly gotten used to the idea of big phones, right? Mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. idea of being able to expand it out into something bigger like the ipad mini was a really 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 good device right like i had that with cellular it was just brilliant uh so i i do i i know if that were available for a phone in the apple ecosystem i would be really interested for me it's just my hang up that I'm so far into iTunes and iMessage and mm-hmm. like everything else, Apple, that I just I can't make the switch and I'm, I'm just not going to. Right. We are. Yeah. iMessage owns us. I mean, I, I've said the same thing and it's it's one of those kind of unfortunate things. I'm like, I really want to try this out and play with this and look at it. And like the, the streaming app ability, I think, you know, to even bring that stuff like to your computer, I think is really cool and and that sort of integration. And um, I like the different form factor stuff, but yeah, it's, it's obviously, I, I think, especially with this price point, I doubt this is going to convert many people to being Android users, but I will say this does have me like almost hitting the pre-order button. Um, I'm probably going to try to wait to learn a little bit more about it before I do just because it's expensive and, you know, you want to kind of know what you're getting into or whatever. I want to know maybe some more details about battery life. I feel like it's going to be one of those things where the people who love it are going to love it it. Yeah. And I think that we are perhaps a little partial to it because I feel like we often like those things that are a little bit retro in the sense that like, oh, it has a, it folds, but it has, cause it has a hinge. Ooh. Right. Um, so it does, it, it is almost, it, it is new, but it's also a little reminiscent of something nostalgic for us. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, and I think it's also, I mean, look, I'm just glad that phones are getting weird again. We've had yeah, that conversation before. You know, and like, and I, I, I stand by that with you know the, the other foldable phones from from Samsung and Razer and others. Like, be weird, man. Like, I, I'm tired of the same mm-hmm. existing slab that we've had for the last 13 years. It's, I'm not mad to see something different come out. Uh, and and I, I, it would be interesting, you know, to see if this would be, you know, because now we have seen several different iterations and implementations of what foldable devices look like. And so you do kind of wonder, like, is this an area that Apple would get into and what would Apple's approach be? And I I do think there's something to be said about the fact, like you said, Brie, like the iPad mini is kind of this perfect size device. If you could have it, but, you know, foldable so that you could put it in a purse, like not really say in a pocket, but it would be more portable than even the iPad, you know, mini is. I think that there's, some value there, especially uh, 
as we do more and more stuff on our phones and and they become very proper, like sometimes primary computing devices. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I, I know Christina can't say this, but I can. And Uh-oh. I just, I no, it's good. I mean, here yet again, Microsoft is bringing some of the most interesting hardware in our entire industry right now. This is really... This is a really compelling concept. And I, I think we covered the Samsung Fold because it was it was it was a good news story, but I think all of us knew it wasn't a good device. And I just I think you have to give Microsoft credit for the level of innovation that's coming out right now. Like they have the concept of the blocks and the Google Docs that that came out. You've got, you know, the next series of Xbox is certainly doing some interesting things. Surface just across the board seems like a very, very high quality product line. I mean, this is, it's, it's just really cool to see them thriving, right? Yeah. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. The service that lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. So maybe you're looking to create an online store, or perhaps a portfolio, or perhaps a blog, or maybe you want all of those things at once. Well, Squarespace uh, is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. Yet I don't gotta think about it, Squarespace has it covered. They also have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Terrible news, everyone. I decided that I wanted to make a personal website for myself. I had like my author website that was on Squarespace. Um, and then I decided I need a personal website. So I, I, I've come back. I've come back to Squarespace. They have new templates and they're really nice. <laughs> they're, oh my God, they're, they're very fresh. They're very new. Um, I really, really like them. You're of course like still dragging and dropping like modules and putting things together like a puzzle. Um, but the, the new stuff is good. So if you haven't checked it out in a while, go look at it and uh, see their their new their new beautifully designed templates. Um, and take wait wait a minute for my website to be done. Squarespace plans start at just twelve dollars a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com/rocket, which is what I did. And then you get like two weeks to build your website. Boom is done. And then when you decide to sign up, use the offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain and to show your support for ROCKET. That's our podcast. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash ROCKET and the code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Yeah, I wasn't done yet. I heard you. I heard you trying to talk. No, it's not time. I had, so I couldn't get a web developer in time and I said F it and I coded the entire Rebellion Pack website by myself in a four-hour caffeine-fueled frenzy. You and fool. I got to tell you, no, it's it was really easy. I mean, honestly, it's it's a great website that I did in four hours. Like, go look at it. It's got a video embed page. It's got a blog. It's got donate links through Act Blue. It's got a newsletter where people can sign up. Like, and it it looks professional. 
And it cost nice. me like a couple of hundred dollars. So love Squarespace. Well done. All right. Our next topic today. Uh, um, on Monday, a California judge ordered that Uber and Lyft have to reclassify their independent contractor drivers to employees with benefits, um, which is massive for for those workers. Uh, this is a ruling that Uber and Lyft are planning to appeal. Uh, it does not take effect for 10 days, and I think they have a week now to to mount their appeal. Um, but Uber has already said to organizations like NBC that if the if they do not win their appeal, they will likely shut down temporarily in California if the court doesn't overturn the ruling because they don't want their drivers to be full-time employees. This comes after last winter, uh, California did pass a law that basically just changed the way that contractors, the, the, the entire existence of contractors in that state. Um, and uh, the judge was basically saying like Uber and Lyft have been using circular reasoning to get around this rule and continue to classify their drivers as gig economy workers. And Uber and Lyft are like, no, we are not. And the judge is now like, you are, though. <laughs> um, so we will, A, see if they win their appeal. B, if they don't win their appeal, then voters uh, will decide for them because there is a proposition called Prop 22, which would exempt drivers for app-based transportation and delivery companies like Uber and Lyft from being considered employees. Um, I do not know when that vote is. I'm sure you California voters out there do. And uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going to i'm no i am gonna say it you should you should vote to help those drivers be classified as employees so they can have health care in our in our horrible country so they can have a paid sick and family leave and so they can be fairly compensated that's what i think but i'm biased i think it's more complicated i agree can can I just tell a, a quick aside before we yeah. do this story that I think is very relevant to this? Um, I read a long-form New York Times piece just a couple of weeks ago on their uh, taxi medallion scheme, which is what, uh, uh-huh. what's his name, went to jail for? The the Trump lawyer guy, uh, what's his name again? Oh. I, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway, this is, I just have to say, like, transportation up and down is, is the most... Yeah, corrupt, labor-abusive thing you can imagine. I'll just give listeners the highlights. So you have this thing called taxi medallions, and there's a certain number of independent ones way back when we first started to have taxis. And what happened is people would get these and invest in them because you could keep a cab going, and it would be like an asset. And then they would get sold for a little bit more. Then the banks got involved and started pricing Mm -hmm. these things in predatory ways beyond any value of what a cab could possibly be and lied to these drivers that don't necessarily speak English well to get them to agree to these huge loans with balloon payments and then they would be forced to cash out to try to just break even and then inflate the price for the next viewer or for the next buyer of it all the while selling this dream of independence so uh, just to say like with 
it's just the whole thing is gross. Like Uber yeah. not paying their employees is gross. His op-ed in WAPO this week was gross. The taxi industry is gross. It's just terrible. Yeah, no, the, the thing I was going to say is that a lot of people point to, oh, well, the taxi industry, you know, makes this work. Why can't Uber? Well, first of all, as they you don't. said, the med- <laughs> they don't. Well, not only that, the medallion industry, and I've, I've argued this, I think, on this podcast before, and I've said this before, I, this in no way absolves Uber or Lyft of their sins. But um, I I will absolutely say that the taxi industry and the medallion system is every bit as corrupt and in some cases more corrupt than the, the ride sharing systems are. And it's not just the predatory lending scams. There's also the people who are longtime medallion owners who then exploit the people who work for them and drive for them and people who will never have an opportunity to buy a medallion. I mean, it, it's it's a really gross and corrupt industry. There's a reason like the mob was involved, right? Like there is like it's just historical. It's a it's a gross and corrupt thing. And and the medallion end is uh, a system. They're all contractors. You know, the, the people who own the medallions um, are obviously, you know, own it. But people who drive the cabs are not the medallion owners in most cases. So what they do is they pay a flat fee to drive the cab and then they, um, you know, pay, they have to be responsible for insurance and some other um, uh, expenses. And, and then they can, you know, keep um, what they make. Now, obviously, uh, I think that at least in the pre-Uber, pre-Lyft days, those drivers, um, it was a lot of work and it was hard work, but they they could make, um, you know, a, a living wage. But it didn't mean that they wouldn't be able to still be having to drive a ton and it was unsafe in certain areas. And beyond that, I mean, you have to think about the fact that because of the the, I would argue in some cases, like artificial limits on the medallion system, you have cabs that are only in certain parts of cities and that won't go other places. You know, that was why, you know, in Brooklyn, you didn't have yellow cabs. They eventually got green cabs um, and and had some other, you know, uh, kind of attempts that way. But you would never see unless somebody just happened to get a drop off, you don't see yellow cabs in, in Brooklyn. And so Uber and Lyft, I think that while completely exploitative to the model, I think that it's disingenuous for us to pretend like those services haven't completely changed how many, many people access transportation, not just in terms of, of pricing, which I think, you know, the uh, I think it could be argued that maybe the race to the bottom in an unsustainable way has been bad, but also to, you know, major cities like Atlanta, who've never had a strong taxi infrastructure where people would not be able to get cars. You'd have to, you know, call a private car service and hope they show up. And and that would be limited, you know, it would be difficult to even book cars. Uh, places like Portland, where you would have to call well in advance, like if you wanted to, you couldn't just do a street pickup, you would actually have to call a cab and get them to, um, you know, within like an hour to, to come and pick you up is, is how the booking process would work. You know, there's just all these really arbitrary laws. And and I think that it really is, uh, you know, hurt people having access to transportation that was uh, safe and reliable. So I think in, in some senses, it, there as there's been lots of good things that have happened with kind of the opening up of rideshare. Uh, that said, obviously, the the wage argument is uh, completely terrible that the workers are being exploited. But 
I also, I think that we have to face the reality, which is, A, I think that AB5 is a bad law. I, I, I will actually go on record and say that. I think the intentions of AB5 were good. I think that as it's been implemented, it's really bad. We've seen freelance journalists and photographers who are limited by the amount of content they can put out. For instance, if you publish more than 35 articles in a year as a freelance journalist, AB5 in California says that they have to make you a full-time employee. Now, that would be great if you would actually get a full-time contract, but most places, uh, including um, well-known big media conglomerates, um, have decided to just fire people instead. Mm -hmm. Uh, The same is is true for photographers. And um, it's a bad system. And, And if we think that they will actually convince people to not do the, the, the permalance thing. You're kidding yourself. They will just opt to not use those people or to limit then that ability. And so it's really hurt people's ability to make a living. And there are some people who quite like to be freelance and do that by design. Uh, and and that's, that's messed with their income. I think the intentions were good, but the implementation has been really bad. And so my fear with, you know, with if California, you know, Uber has come out and said that basically if this law, if this decision is upheld, they will have to shut down in California, at least temporarily. And I, you know, on the one hand, I think that that is in to a certain extent, some fear mongering and is trying to kind of get people, you know, upset and say, okay, we, we need to pass, you know, this proposition 22, or we need to, you know, do whatever we can so that the the court overturns this and and we need to keep Uber around. Um, and, and I, I think that is somewhat disingenuous, but at the same time, I do think that we need to face the reality that that is not, um, something that is, unlikely that that is that is a likely outcome like if if that if the decision is upheld uh, just based on the amount of money it would take to be able to treat people as full-time employees they would be exiting the state for at least a certain period of time and then when they come back the number of people who would actually be able to have access to cars will be significantly less now i'm not saying that any of this absolves the issues related to exploiting drivers and the fact that people don't make a living wage. I'm just saying that we have to grapple with the reality that there are services that are both considered essential and important for lots of people, especially low-income people who might not have access to transportation otherwise, especially in cities like Los Angeles, where there isn't a big public transit system, and also a system that is unfairly uh, paying workers. And both of those exist in the same place. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you've said. And I think my I my personal feelings on Uber are very well known. I hate them. Um, but I think for me, for for situations like this to resolve positively, what I want to see is these companies being held accountable for not exploiting their workers, but also for governments to be held accountable for making as you said, more public transportation, affordable public transportation, expanding its reach, especially in cities like Los Angeles, where there have been major efforts made towards that, but still not enough. Um, I th- I think that these situations in which people are exploited for labor, in which tech companies <laughs> kind of have free reign up till now, um, use their quote-unquote circular reasoning to get around um, properly compensating people. I, I think that we create that by having local and state governments that don't prioritize uh, basic needs like transportation and housing and things like that. I mean, I don't disagree, but let me just like pose a question for you. Like if, if 
agreeing that, like, I think we can all agree that, like, medallions are, are equally corrupt, but medallions are illegal, and that is a, a private contractor situation. So I guess what I'm not, what I don't quite understand is that if we say that it's okay for people to pay out of their own pocket and to kind of buy into this scheme to basically rent someone else's medallion, um, would we be okay if that sort of thing was applied to to the gig economy? Because on the one hand, that would immediately um, raise the barrier to entry for many drivers who would not be able to afford to drive for a cab. Uh, but it would make things potentially more equitable, and it wouldn't be this sort of situation where you are, you know, having to give a you know a, a certain amount of your money, you know, always over to um, the app and and stuff like that. Uh, but but I, I guess I, I, I struggle a little bit with like why one system of contract uh, freelance labor is okay, but another isn't when, you know, the biggest difference uh, is like taking like the evils of, of Uber and Lyft or whatever out of it is that one requires a, a huge amount of investment on behalf of the driver and another doesn't. I mean, I've feel the same way about medallion that I do about Uber and Lyft. <laughs> I still would prefer to use taxis just because the evil they're both evil, but the evil you know. <laughs> like I'll I'll go with the old <laughs> evil instead of the new evil, like why not? But I'm not the government. No, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um no, I just wanted to say uh, you know, I can't help but think this situation is kind of similar to the post office in the sense that, you know, I don't expect the post office to generate a profit. I just need it to deliver things. And I kind of am okay when it's at a loss. If you look at the history of public transportation in this country, uh, we used to have uh, a public transportation system. It was the envy of the world. And we deliberately stripped it as we moved to cars. And I I cannot help but think this whole situation is really caused by people privatizing something that's really part of the public good, mm-hmm. right? So because like a lot of you, Simone, the reason you need taxis in New York is because the subway is broken. Here in, in, in Massachusetts, the T is even worse than the subway. If you can imagine that. It's on Well, I would let me be clear. I still yeah. use the subway over taxis and over Lyft sure. every time. Sure, but ideally it would be... Even if it's two in the morning and it takes me an hour because I support the subway. Ideally, there would be a way to get around universally, right? So I cannot help but think that this is the result of us trying to extract profit from something that we should just be making a public investment in. And the reality that I think all of us are agreeing on is, like, pick your poison. There's a huge unfair human cost, yeah, I think that's very well said. And and you're talking about journalism, by the way. This is a you know, this is another thing. Like you've got VC private uh investors that are coming in there and extracting all this value from all these uh, you know, famous journalism companies and, and, and wrecking them. It's very much the same situation. So same with Patreon, really. Yeah. So we're gonna have to at some point decide as a country, are we going to invest in this in a real way. And maybe that just means you're paying enough on an Uber ride to pay for the actual cost of it. Because when you get into the depreciation and the gas and the insurance and all the stuff that the person on the end is taking the the blow on, uh, I mean, it's really serious. 
I, I agree. But the only thing I would say is I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I guess I'm just kind of in a position where I feel like obviously it would be ideal if we would invest in public transit in this country. But I also live in reality where we will not and we have not. And I, I, I wonder, like, the question is, like, will people actually be willing to pay what a ride costs? And I'm not really sure about that. And, and, and it's, it's also, I mean, I, I do think it's worth saying, and again, this is where I have kind of, I, I don't know what the solution is, because there are people who don't have the money to pay more and don't have the money to pay what it costs. You know, that mm-hmm. the shared ride things, like, this is, this is, for many people, kind of their livelihood and how they can get around and it opens them up to things and, and might still be uh, more affordable than, like, owning and maintaining a car. So it's, to me, I, I think my only kind of hesitancy with any of this is that are we prepared for something that people have now had nearly a decade to get used to disappearing, especially if we're talking about cities that this extends beyond California, where there haven't been like a public transit is not a thing, and b alternate means of transportation like taxi systems don't exist in a way that is equanimable to uh, many people and who, who live in many different areas. And, and that's that's kind of my fear is that it's like, okay, yeah, we can say, you know, f- Uber, f- Lyft, but what happens when those services that people rely on go away? And how, how do we grapple with that as a society? And are we as a society willing to actually pay what something costs? Like I am, but I'm also privileged enough to do that. I don't know if other people will take that same position and pay 20% more for a ride if that's what it costs so that someone is a full-time employee. Yeah, probably not. I, I mean, I'm sorry to say it. This is the entire arc of human history, right? Yeah. Like you, have a, you have a service that is, it benefits the the masses and people depend on it, ordinary people, and there ends up being a huge cost. Like, look at the opium smuggling, look at the construction of railroads in this country. Like, you could sit here and name a thousand examples of that. And I, I guess the question is, can you look away from that cost? Uh, for me, like you, Christina, I, I'm privileged enough. I could pay more. I would happily pay more. And I tip very well when I use these services. But unlike you, I'm not cynical thinking that we will eventually invest in public infrastructure in this country. Yep. I'm on the same page as you, Brie. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content or how effective your marketing, they'll most likely bounce if your website is loading too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experience so that you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on their browser, their device, the platform they're using. So you want to identify how your visitors are experiencing your website so that you can make informed optimizations and deliver a great performance to those who matter most. Your viewers. <laughs> Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it is built for scalability. So that means you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. You can get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom by going to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. 
And then when you sign up, you can use the code ROCKET at checkout to get an awesome 30%, 30% off your first invoice. That is P-I-N-G-D-O-M dot com slash Relay FM and then the code ROCKET at checkout. We'd love to hear it. Thank you so much, Pingdom from Solar Winds, for their support of this show and Relay FM. Christina, for dessert today, oh. tell us about your gamer chair. So you need to shame me. This is why. Why? Oh, no. Because my office is still such a wreck that it's still in its box. (laughs) (sighs) Christina. Christina. I know. Okay. I know. What can you tell us about your gamer chair? It looks beautiful, and I can't wait to to have it, and I will have a review next week, but also I'm like in, in, in... incredibly embarrassed and sad that I'm still sitting in my garbage chair, (laughs) which is all my own fault. You are so close to experiencing pandemic bliss, which is sitting and working in a comfortable chair and you are throwing this chance away for yourself. I know. It's like 50 feet away from me. It's real. It's a real problem. 50 feet? Where are you? Not 50 feet, 20 feet. I don't know. I'm not good at, 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 Putting this is down. a tech show, not a math show. <laughs> I was going to say, well, okay, so it, it's in the hallway because it's not in my office because I can't get it in my office. <laughs> and and I wanted to unbox it and, and just like put it in my bedroom. And Grant was like, no, you're not putting it in the bedroom. You're cleaning your office and, and that's when you're allowed to open it. So this is depressing. I know. So I'm, I'm sorry to, to, to disappoint everyone. You know, well, so Christina can't tell us about her chair. I can tell you about my awesome new NBA jam machine that okay, I got please and do. put together. Oh please my God. So, so us, Simone, She's do you on even fire. Know what, do you know what NBA jam is? Have you, did you play it? Cause this is, that is some kind of video game. It's very much a nineties thing. Like, yeah. No, it was, it's one? like the original, like real basketball game to be totally honest. Yeah. I've okay. heard of this thing. Okay. So NBA jam, if you weren't around uh, or like, and, you know, Going to the mall in 1993, I don't even like sports that much. I got completely addicted. To it's like it. a fighting game, but with sports. There's yeah. combos and special moves. Like that's the best way of describing it, I think. Yeah. Right? It's like yeah. it's like Mortal Kombat meets basketball. It's a really intense two-on-two basketball game where you're shoving the other player, and it's it's so rubber banding. It's so rubber banded <laughs> like Mario Kart that it's wildly addicting. Mm-hmm. I I have a vastly different skill with. With Frank uh, than Frank does at video games. But when we play, it's generally still a very close game because of that rubber banding, which Ooh. I think is good game design in this context. So Arcade One Up put this cabinet out. They added Wi-Fi to it. It cost $400. And I have to tell you, it is 20 out of 10 fun. It is an absolute blast. I've been playing it every single chance I get, and I cannot endorse this particular product enough. It's the NBA Jam Arcade One-Up Machine. Nice. Okay, amazing. And and does it work like a, with all like the, the secret uh, players and all that stuff that you can enable and everything? That is a good question. So with NBA Jam Tournament Edition, uh, they snuck in Mortal Kombat characters. So you could put in Sub-Zero's birthday and play a Sub-Zero and there were fatalities. However, the NBA heard about that and did not like it and <laughs> removed that. And this does uh, have the uh, version three revision of it, which does not have those characters. It does have a lot of the secrets along with it. Like uh, 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 Carrie Hoskins 
Uh, she played Sonya Blade in Mortal Kombat. She is a playable character in this game, just like the original arcade. So most of it's there, but they did uh, lose a couple of characters of original players who didn't want to relicense their stuff. But for me, it's close enough. All right. Thank you for saving our dessert, Brianna. <laughs> yes. No, You're I was welcome. I was trying I, I was saying when the show started, I was like, you guys are gonna be so disappointed in me. But I mean, I will so next week, A, my chair. Oh, oh, I, I do have updates though, because I, I did Make order it I finally fast, I, I finally decided there's on my computer. Literal beads of sweat rolling down my knees and I need to turn No, I was on just gonna fan. say I decided on a computer. Oh, <gasps> oh my god. What is yeah. it? <laughs> I, I got I I got I got the 10 core iMac with um the 16 gig graphics card Good with the base amount oh and the, the ram is ar- the ram is already here uh it will be here either next week or the week after and i'm i'm selling stephen hackett my uh existing imac so yeah christina i am so proud of you so you guys you guys successfully bullied me out of buying a mac pro I wouldn't say bullied. I yeah, would that's say really strong language. I mean, I would look. I, I it's a good life. thing. Look, some sometimes you need to be bullied, and it was good bullying. I'm just saying, like tag team Bree and Simone. Okay, one more bonus dessert topic. Please, There's Lord. Literally, literally a dessert topic. I want to foreshadow the future for Rocket listeners about an exciting segment we have coming up. So, I saw a tweet from Brax Candy Corn. Oh no. Where uh, they we're so we're so screwed. Are putting, yeah, we're all screwed. <laughs> You're killing they, me. They are putting out a product called Turkey Dinner Candy Corn. It's a we're limited dead. edition. And I saw this. And I'm like, I have to have this. And I tried to get it at my local Walgreens and I couldn't. And I just spent $140 getting <gasps> bags of this oh, on no. eBay for this show. So what's going to happen is when I get it, I'm not going to eat it. I'm going to turn around and send some to Christina. How and much Simone. are you going to charge us? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> can you, much can, more. could you upsell it? I mean, not to us, but just like to I probably someone. Could. I, yeah. Probably. Pe- smart people. Uh, it's really smart people. Yes. Well, after we do our show, it'll be that much more valuable. But look forward to a future garbage food episode of Rocket, where we try our delicious Thanksgiving dinner candy corn. They have green bean flavored candy oh my God. corn. Green? I, I, I hate green beans. I hate. I, like I'm. I'm already like dreading all of this. But I will do it for the pod. For We're the doing show. it for the pod because we love you, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> And that's why we're about to tell you what we're doing this week. Brianna, what are you doing this week? Running my pack. Well, yeah. Christina, what about you? Actually cleaning my office so I can use my wonderful chair. I am so proud of you. I support you. You're doing everything right. Um, I'm just continuing to do my job and also sweating in this room. Um, no, mostly I I redownloaded Superstar SM, which is the K-pop rhythm game for phones. <laughs> Uh, nice. And I am going to be getting every single high score until I die and my fingers fall off. Brianna, where can we find you online? You can find me at Brianna Wu on Twitter, uh, or you can find me at Rebellion Pack on Twitter or on Facebook. Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams where you can shame me for not having my chair up. And you can see the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. New episode coming out this Saturday where I will go ahead and say this now. My new chair will be in the video. So yes. And if it isn't, 
will uh, continue to bully me. you. <laughs> yes, continue to bully me until I clean my office. It's good to know that we can bully Christina into making healthy tech decisions. <laughs> um, you can if find anyone out there knows Marie Kondo. Like, <laughs> let us know. Oh, no, don't oh, do that God. to her. That's, that's that. my nightmare. You know, you know, a friend of mine made me buy that book like five years ago. Where did you put it? <laughs> I mean, it's on my Kindle, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at doomquasar at youtube.com slash polygon as well. I said that really weirdly. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you support the d- good decisions that Christina has made this week, I hope you will give the app, the app, the show, five stars. <laughs> give the app five stars, too. I don't care. Go wild. It's your life. I'm just living it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.